Now let's go on to the good news. So, I told you that in January of 1999, the biotech industry's plan to replace nature was revealed. And it was fast-tracked. It was going to be five years and 95%. Three weeks later, their schedule was completely derailed. Everything changed for the biotech industry on February 16th. On February 16th, Susan came to the door in Aberdeen, Scotland. She opened the door and there was a group of reporters at her house. There were others running from the car and news crews parking along her street. She said, you know we can't discuss what happened. They would sue us. No, no, don't worry, the Channel 4 reporter said and gave her the paper. She took the paper. He said, they've released your husband. She called for her husband, Arpad, please come here. Handed him the letter, which was the letterhead of his former employer, the Rowett Institute. He had worked there for 35 years until seven months earlier. Seven months earlier, he went on television with permission from his director and mentioned that research he had conducted about GMOs showed that GMOs were harmful and that he wouldn't eat it and he didn't think it was safe to use this as a to use us all as guinea pigs. It was a tremendous blow to the biotech industry. One of the, the top scientists in the world in his field put GMOs down on television. Headlines all over. The director took over all the press himself calling it monumental research. For two days, Dr. Arpad Pustai was a hero at his institute, and then came the phone calls. Two from the UK Prime Minister's office. Some say that the phone call chain started with Monsanto, went through Bill Clinton, then to Tony Blair, then to the Rowan Institute. Arpad was fired from his job after 35 years, silenced with threats of a lawsuit. The $3 million grant to figure out how to test for the safety of GMOs was discarded. They never tested the GMOs in the way that he had pr proposed because the way that he found showed problems. Instead, they embarked on a plan to destroy his reputation and promote the reputation of biotechnology. Seven months and one heart attack later, on February 16th, the director of the institute was casually speaking to a group of reporters and mentioned at, at, at the press conference, that the, he mentioned that the restrictions to Pustai speaking to the press had been lifted. Immediately, before the next sentence was uttered, the reporters raced for the door. <laughs> they knew where Pustai lived because they had camped out on his driveway seven months earlier. And now as Arpad was reading the letter that released his gag order, 30 reporters snuck in behind his wife and filled his living room. He looked up and could finally speak about what he knew. He'd, I asked him, what was the most shocking moment? <clears throat> was it being fired from your job? Was it discovering that the process of genetic engineering, the generic process, the same thing we talked about earlier, caused potentially cancerous 
cell growth in the digestive tract, smaller brains, livers, and testicles, partial atrophy of the liver and damaged immune system in 10 days in rats. He said, no, Jeffrey, the most shocking moment was months before the episode occurred. The director walked into my office and put down a stack of six or 700 pages and said, these are the submissions of the biotech companies to the UK. The director had been on the small committee that approved GMOs for the UK. He said, the Minister of Agriculture is meeting with other ministers in Brussels and wants a scientific opinion on these submissions. So Arpad looked at it and said, how much time do we have? And the director said, two and a half hours. Those two and a half hours were the most shocking moments for Arpad Pustai. He said to me, Jeffrey, you know what bad science is. You know what poor research is. That was bad. It was poor, flimsy, superficial. I realized that what I was doing and what the biotech industry scientists were doing was diametrically opposed. I was doing safety studies. They were doing as little as possible to get their foods on the market as quickly as possible. Arpad Pustai had spent the last two years figuring out how to test for the safety of GMOs. He was one of the most qualified humans on earth to evaluate the stack. He also realized that his director would never read this many pages, nor would the other 12 members of the committee, because they were committee men, not working scientists. So he may have been the only third-party person to look at these research. He called up the minister and said, I wasn't planning to give you a strong recommendation after two and a half hours, but I have to say, there's not enough information to allow these foods to be fed to humans or animals. The minister said, I don't know why you're telling me this. Those foods were already approved two years ago. They're already on the market. No one in the UK knew. He was able to speak about what he knew starting on February 16th. More than 700 articles were written in the UK alone within a month. Ten weeks later, the tipping point of consumer rejection occurred. Unilever, then Nestle's, then everyone else said no more GMOs in Europe. Project Censor described... Yeah, let's give him a hand. Project Censor described the event as one of the most underreported in the United States. So the companies got rid of GMOs in Europe where people had been informed, but not in the U.S. where we were in the dark. How many people would it take to avoid GMOs in the United States to create a tipping point? Well, we've seen a tipping point here against bovine growth hormone kicked out of Walmart, Starbucks, Yoplait, Dannon, most American dairies. Again, educating people on the health dangers. It does not take a vote. It does not take 51%. It, take, it takes any drop in market share that the, that the food companies can see is related to the anti-GMO sentiment rising in the U.S. They know it can rise rapidly, and they also know they gain no consumer benefits from GMOs. No group of their customers wakes up each morning wanting to have their daily dose of Roundup <laughs> or BT toxin. So while the GMO promises of consumer benefits are not in the picture, <clears throat> it's an easy time to convince the food industry that use of GMOs has become a marketing liability. So I want to say this. 
with absolute confidence. Last year, we tipped the natural food industry. We created a consumer tipping point against GMOs in health food stores. Let's give a hand. Whole Foods president in March said that when a product becomes non-GMO project verified, sales increase by 15 to 30 percent. Everyone heard that in the industry. 10,000 products are verified as non-GMO through the non-GMO project. More than 8,000 are in the pipeline. It is a clear marketing liability to use GMOs in the natural food sector. So now we are about to see, and we're starting to see, this is the most important window of opportunity in the history of anti-GMO work. Cheerios declared itself non-GMO last week. Cheerios. Now, it didn't say non-GMO project verified, so it wasn't a complete victory for us. But just suppose another company comes in and declares itself non-GMO project verified, which is what we expect to happen very soon. The entire industry is going to watch the changes, if any, of the sales of Cheerios and these other products. If they can see an increase in sales and a drop in market share of the competing GMO-laden brands, everyone in the food industry realizes, I don't want to have my product second to declare non-GMO in my product category. This is the most important leveraged moment. It is bizarre. It is ironic. It is weird that one of the greatest threats to human health and the environment that could affect all living beings and all future generations will be determined on the sales of Cheerios. <laughs> It is bizarre, but it's true. So, our Institute for Responsible Technology has been a driving force in creating this tipping point in the natural food industry. And how did we do it? You saw the hands at the beginning, how many people were, how vigilant about GMOs. And you saw the hands at the end. We have compiled the information and the stories to share to help create a tipping point. And so we are engineering the plan to tip the rest of the food industry. How do you get the Walmart shopper to avoid GMOs? The generic Walmart shopper may not. But moms may, who are aware of other moms saying that their kids got better, that their ADD left, that their grades improved, that their asthma disappeared, that their allergies disappeared. So moms are huge. Healthcare professionals are now prescribing non-GMO diets by the thousands. What about their patients? We just released a website, Gluten and GMOs, for the gluten-sensitive people. Doctors are prescribing non-GMO for specific diseases and disorders. We have a program to bring the information to the healthcare professionals and to people suffering from the types of diseases and disorders you heard about today. Certain religious groups believe GMO means God move over. That's a shortcut. 
that's a shortcut. Pet owners have come to us about cats and dogs experiencing problems, and we have already a pet food advertising on television as non-GMO. So these are the targeted demographic groups that we think would be most quickly, that would most quickly respond to our message, and we know it's true because we've had experience with it, and drive GMOs out of the market. Target has declared that its home brands will be non-GMO this year. Ben and Jerry's, Chipotle. I read, a, I read a presentation by the Hartman Group. They said in 2006, 2007, about 16% of Americans said they were avoiding GMOs. That's a lot. 2010, 25%. 2013, 39%. It's amazing. We're winning. So... Our institute has, is developing a master plan right now, this month, putting a dollar figure, it'll be like three to five million or something, how much we need to ensure the tipping point happens quickly here and around the world. And if you think about this multi-billion dollar industry, we're talking chump change. Why? Because if you do a strategic analysis, the biotech industry owns the federal government. They have tremendous power in the mainstream media, tremendous power in academia, tremendous power in the farm organizations. Where they are weakest, we are strongest. Consumer opinion. And how do you change consumer the buying behavior? Tell them the truth. So we would like to invite you to participate in this plan to end GMOs, to protect this generation and future generations, to protect your children, to protect your gut bacteria, to protect your dogs and cats, to protect our nature from being replaced. People will have to figure out where they fit into this plan if they do. Here are some options. We have a tipping point network, over 10,000 people in the United States, over 100 groups, active, in creating events and opportunities, you're welcome to join the Tipping Point Network. When you sign up in the back for the newsletter in our, in our booth at the very end of this first room to the left, if you want to be part of the Tipping Point Network, just put TPN there or tell the people there you want to be part of that group. We have a speaker training program. We've taught over 1,000 people to speak on GMOs. We'll have another one online soon. We have a newsletter that you can share with your friends. When you can tell them about this recording and then let them know about this speech as well. If you'd like, <coughs> you can become a volunteer to help reach out to these targeted demographic groups. Maybe moms, maybe, maybe youth, maybe ethnic community, maybe inner city community. Well, it depends on what you do and where you want to work. And we definitely need financial contributions because we actually know how to do this. We've done it in the natural food industry. We've done it collectively with RBGH. It is simply a numbers game. We know what to say. We've packaged the information to make it easy for people to share with others. Most of you said you were 80 to 100 in desiring to tell others about GMOs. We will make it easy for you. In the book 
sales table, we have three pieces. We have a right brain book, which is stories like our pod pusta. It opens up with the story I told you February 16th with Susan answering the door. We have the left brain book for the science. You just open it, there's a summary on the left side and detailed on the right. There's a summary on the left side and a detailed on the right. The left side is for the attention deficit politician. The right side is for their staff. So you can show it to people, they can just flip through and get the science. The most effective conversion tool for non-GMO that we have created, that we've even seen, is the film Genetic Roulette, The Gamble of Our Lives. How many people have seen it? All right. So that's out there too. That is the quickest route to a non-GMO eater. All right? It's more effective than this talk. It, took less, it takes, less, takes about the same time as this talk. And it's, you can watch it in the comfort of your home and bring others to see it. Please use these tools. Obviously, we can't reach the millions that we need to create the tipping point. But right now, it's starting to happen. How many people have seen GMOs a lot more in social media than ever before? Okay, now people are listening. Now people are sharing it. This is the time. You know, 10 years ago, when I started traveling around the world, it was very difficult to get the information out. I started working on this 17 years ago. Started traveling around the world in, 90, in um, 2003. Now I've never seen this before. I'm the only one that's been crisscrossing the United States regularly speaking about GMO health dangers for the last 10 or 11 years. And we've never seen what we're seeing now. This is a revolution. It's already underway. So this is an opportunity for us. And so I'd like to ask before I take questions for you to consider an excuse inside to get involved. And one that I love was a poem that someone wrote, read to me about being woken up in the middle of night by his great, great, great grandchild, asking what he did when he found out. So if that's your motivation, the future, or maybe your own health, please find an excuse, and together we can reclaim a non-GMO food supply for ourselves and future generations. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Live Healthy, Be Well. Please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with. Or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe. This podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now. Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe eating.